Okay, what I have up here on the board is just some little nuggets. The first thing that I'm wanting us to know is be careful of a second word. So whenever the Father's leading us, and whenever we know, and I'm, I can't cover all the millions of scriptures that I wanted to cover, but we all know that in Deuteronomy, there's a verse that says, man does not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeds out of his mouth. Out of his mouth. And so whenever we're talking about, we understand the Torah, guys, the Torah is, and the Holy Spirit is given to us to keep us focused and keep us going in the right direction. The Father will give us words, but the words have to line up with His Torah and with His Holy Spirit. It, so if He's giving you a word then first of all, I'm just saying we need to take that word and we need to let line it up with the Scripture and we need to line it up with the Ruach. Because, guys, he's not doing something individually. He's doing things corporately. So he's not just moving River of Life to another place. He's moving Jacob Tent to a higher level. He's moving all these other places to a higher level. That's right. Tree of Life, he's moving them. Tennessee, that's right. The trail. He's moving all of us together as a corporate group. He's taking all the sons of Israel to a higher level. Not one of them. Not Judah without Ephraim and not Ephraim without Judah. He's taking us all to a higher level. The thing about it is, we're brothers and we tend to grumble and fight along the way. Because we think that he's, he's leading us first. We're jockeying for position. He's trying to tell us, Yahweh's telling us, Yeshua has got that position. Amen. He's our elder brother. He is the Joseph in our life. He is the one. You're not going to get that seat at the right hand of the Father. He's got that. So for us to be his bride, that's as close as you're going to get to the right hand of the Father because Yeshua has that seat. So these are just places of authority that he has for us. So as we're going in here, I just wanted to also use uh, a story because we talked about when we were at uh, Sukkot about Elijah. Now I want to use Elisha, the prophet. Okay, so if you would go to 2 Kings in chapter 2, I do just want to read a scripture uh, before I go. I'm going to start in 15, but uh, I do just want to look at verse 3. And it says this, and the sons of the prophets. So I just want to mention something here, that they were sons of the prophets. They were a company of prophets, and they were sons of the prophets who were in Bethel. And Bethel means what? house of Elohim, is his house, came out to Elisha and said to him, Do you know that today Yahweh, yod heh will take away your master from you? And I want you, to listen, I want you to listen. Now these are the sons of the prophets, and they just made a statement. And I want to slow down here because, guys, this is why this is important. Now when we, when we hear Elijah and Elisha sons of prophets and all of this, automatically in my mind, maybe not in yours, but in, in my mind, it's like these are perfect people. They hear from Yahweh and they make all right decisions and they hear everything clearly and they act on everything perfectly. That's usually whenever I was growing up and when I would sit here and I would say, Elijah, Elisha, I had them such on a pedestal and they need to be on a pedestal, but only in a position that the Father has given them not for them themselves. So I just wanted you. Now these are the sons of the prophets. These are people who hear from Yahweh. Okay. 
And, they, and they're telling Elisha, do you not know today that Yahweh will take away your master? And who's that master? Elijah, who they're talking about, is the one who was uh, grooming him, the one that he was holding on to. And he said, yes, I know it, so shut up. No, he says to keep quiet. In other words, I know it. You quit taunting me with this. So I did want you to know that in the scriptures, in the IVP talks about that there was a school of the prophets. This was a, there was a prophetic guild, as they talked about. There were a group of people, and they would go, and they would study, and they would, they would uh, minister to the Father. So they were a group of prophets back in that day. <clears throat> okay, verse 15. Now, in verse 3, you just heard the group of the prophets say, Do you not know that Elijah is going to be taken from you? Did we all hear the same thing? Okay. These are prophets. Okay, now, verse 15. Now, when the sons of the prophets who were at Jericho saw him opposite them, they said, now they're talking about Elisha here. They're seeing something. The spirit of Elijah rests on Elisha. See, they saw something opposite of them in Jericho and that the spirit of Elijah rested on Elisha. And they came to meet him and bowed down to the ground before him. Verse 16. And they said to him, Behold now, there are with your servants fifty strong men. Fifty strong men of these sons of the prophets are here. Please let them go and seek your master. Well, wait a minute. You just said the master is going to be taken. Elijah is going to be taken from you. You even said it in verse 3. And now you're saying, maybe he's not gone. Is he gone or is he not gone? Because this is, look at what they say. Please let them go and seek your master. It may be that the spirit of Yahweh has caught him up and cast him upon some mountain or into some valley. And he said, you shall not send. In other words, you shall not send these men to go look for Elijah. Elijah is gone. He, he has fulfilled his ministry on this earth. And the Father has now taken him. And he's placed his mantle, his spirit, on me to do the works that Elijah was doing. Which was what? Which is Yahweh's works, is what it was. So... Elisha said, don't go. But look what happens. Verse 17. But when they urged him, that word urged in the Hebrew is stubbornness. They wouldn't take no for an answer. They was compelling and urging and prodding Elisha. But when they, through stubbornness, when they urged him till he was ashamed. He was disappointed and he said, send. Then he said, go. First he tells him that this is Elisha. I'm just slowing down here. Because guys, this is what we can face in the future. When the Spirit of Yahweh tells us something, we can't be moved if we know it's by His Spirit and it proves out that the Word is true. If the Word is a true Word, then we have to be able to stand our ground. We have to be careful of a second word. 
Because see, what happened is, evidently, these prophets did not see Elisha go up in the chariot. They were on the opposite side of the Jericho. But yet they saw and they knew by the Spirit that Elisha's spirit had rest. They, they had this, they, they saw this, whatever, however they saw this, but they didn't see exactly what Elijah saw whenever the anointing was passed to him. Because now they're doubting. I mean, they came up with the very word. Don't you know that today that Yahweh's going to take your master from you? And he said, yeah, I know it's a hush. But then they turn around and say, well, maybe he didn't. Maybe he placed him on another mountain because, you know, Elijah was sort of a unique character. I mean, for one to prophesy something and get down and outrun everybody, outrun a chariot to the other side, I forget how many miles he ran. How many? 17? 17 miles he took off and he beat the horses and chariots and all of that there. Well, it is a divine sprint. But however you call it, Elijah did things in a huge, big way. A supernatural way. So maybe, so these sons of the prophets are now doubting what's going on. And they're saying, well, just probably because Elijah probably pulling something. You know what I mean? Because he's good at pulling something. He's good at doing things in a big way. He's not going to now just maybe walk over here to the mountain. Maybe he got caught up in a tornado and it set him down over here. So they're urging Elisha, send us, send us, send us. And finally, Elisha relented and says, go. He said, go. He, they just, they wore him down. But guys, we have to be in a place in our life to where, there, look, there's going to be obstacles that's going to come against us in this walk and in what we're going to have to be doing in the future. And the enemy, not, no, that's the wrong word. People with great intentions will try to wear you down to make you double guess what's going on. Let me put it that way. Not the enemy. Now, the enemy can go in and whisper in the ear as well. I know that. That's right. I want to be not, Tammy helps me with this. I don't need to be all inclusive sometimes when I say something. Sometimes when I say something, it's, it's all or nothing. I don't mean that. I'm just, I'm just meaning because this is who we are. I mean, we are people. These were people in this day. Remember, we talked about Elijah and the widow. These are people. These are everyday. And you're trying to hear what the Spirit is saying, and you're trying to make these judgments because this is not a Moses situation where Yahweh is talking to him face to face. He is ministering to these people. So what happens here is we do see they turn around and they meet him in verse 15 and bow down to him. But then they turn around and argue with him a few verses later. Okay? Does this sound familiar? Amen. It just does. But this is why we need to know before we go. And we, we, we need to really meditate and know exactly. You know, and I appreciate Douglas's message. We need to be credible witnesses. When we're not credible witnesses, what it does, it makes us flakes. And so we need to know that if the Father, you need to know if the Father is saying something to you, you need to take it to the Word. You need to not to be quick. You need to be quick to hear and slow to speak. So we need to know and we need to take it. The Father is ministering something. We need to be quick to hear and then we need to pray about it. You know, 
some of the best steaks are when you marinate them. Amen? So we need to marinate these words in prayer and let, let the Father soak up all the good juices. Because guess what? If he says it's going to come to pass, there's nothing you can do to stop it. So there's nothing wrong. But if he didn't say it and you went out in your own word like here, it's a problem. Because this is the thing. And as we were talking about, the Father laid it on my heart as for when we're heading now into this new season. It is a, this journey is one step at a time. But he's telling us that we need to make every step sure. We need to make because of, the, of a firm foundation that every step we make, that our footing, that we don't veer off. Because it doesn't take much. I've flown in helicopters for 26 years whenever I was going back and forth offshore. And I'm telling you, when you're flying over water and there's nothing but water, there is nothing there, water, that's right, there's nothing there to give you a reference. So how do you know you're going in the right direction? And then take, put clouds over it and take the sun out of it. Then what you're doing is, is you're flying, you got the upper waters and the lower waters, and that's all you see. If you happen to see a platform, you know where it's supposed to be, that sort of helps you. But there's a lot of space between here and yonder. Okay, there's a lot of space from here and there to where there's nothing. And so they have this called a Loran. It, it's, it helps them with the gyro and all that. And it's, it just shows them it's their instruments that keeps them on the right path. In other words, they put in their directions, their coordinates and all of that. And they hold to it. And I have been in the front seat for many of these flights. And I watch this thing because I'm amazed. Because I'm like, how in the world do they know where they're going? And I watch that little bubble. It's got a little dial and there's a little bubble. But you know what? They'll get to daydreaming because they're pilots. They're up there. And there's nothing but, no, it's not the scenic route. We're just going. And I'm praying that they don't fall asleep. But anyway, so we're talking to them. And they tell me, because that's why I'm in the front seat, because whoever's front seat is supposed to be watching out for other aircraft to help them out. But I'll watch, and you'll see that it'll, they'll drift. And then I'll feel them hit, and then you'll see them, they'll be coming back. Because that little indicator tells them that they've gotten off course. And they have to trust their instruments. They don't trust what they see. They trust their instructions, they trust what they've been taught. They trust the instruments that the instruments know. They trust their training. This is what the Father is doing for us in this new season. Can we t trust our training? Because our training is in this Word. Can we trust it? And only this is true. Not just some words that are spoken, but the words that are spoken in our flights and in our journey, He has got us a compass. He's got us a direction, and we plug it in. We know where we're headed. We just don't know the end result. And there's a lot of nothingness that might happen in this journey that doesn't give us a reference. So we got to trust the instruments. And so this is why I was saying what Sandra said earlier about the eldership here. You, you trust what we do, and you trust that our prayers and, and the guidance is, is a true uh, a path. But this is why we covet your prayers 
immensely because if I'm thinking something, because I'm telling you, I'm just like these guys here and just not as good. And the thing is, is we can get off. We don't have to be, we don't have to be a 90 degree turn to make a mistake. Two degrees will mess you up in the long distance. And we don't want, in, in the way the Father works, He never, He never is this way. It's not like if I'm trying to get here, and if I and if I go two degrees, and I start right here at the two degrees, and I'm two degrees, and I'm two degrees, then the next thing you know, I'm over here. He never corrects me here. He corrects me back to where we started, because there's something between here and there that I have to learn. And so I have to start back over again. I have to learn all of these steps before I get here. He just doesn't correct you right here because, oh, well, you missed it. I'm sorry. Boom. And here I am. Yes. That's right. That's right. That's right. And what he was saying is we only have so much fuel and oil and all that for the journey. So you don't have just an... Uh, you just, especially in the time that we're in, we need to be wise in the talents. He needs to be wise in the revelations. We need to be wise in the in the gifts of the Spirit. We need to be wise in all of these things that He's given us. These are tools that He's given us to keep us on the right path. But I will tell you this, and this is why we were saying. But at the same time, because I've been there, these these in the charismatic movement. I do believe 110% the Father was trying to lead in the right direction. And He was doing so, it's just the people quit going in the right direction. What they did was, is it turned into a money-making deal. It turned into where they were big ministries, and it turned into all of this, you know, I mean, power, it turned into power, it turned into pride, all of these things. And, and you know what He did? He just flat shut it down. And now they're trying to drum up stuff on yesterday's manna. And guess what? It's full of worms. And so they're just living off of the millions that they've raked in. And, and, this is, and it's a sad thing because it has hurt the body of Messiah as a whole because people don't want to trust. They don't want to trust. They don't, it's, it's hard to give when you don't trust ministries. HRN is a great place to sow because there are some solid people there. But what happens is, is they, they feel the hits from the misuses from people trying to trust. Can I trust where I'm putting my funds? And so with that, but you know what? That isn't his fault. And guess what? And we're not crybabies. And so guess what? What's behind us that's been corrected? We're going to move forward and we're going to trust, amen, that the people that are called by his name can hear what the Spirit is saying to the congregations today. If they got issues, I hope and pray that they can let it go. I hope and pray that they can understand that people... This is why I'm reading this story. I'm reading you this story to show you that even these men that did dynamic things, sometimes under pressure, made mistakes. Just gave in. But here, we're in such a time crunch now that we can't... All our times of giving in is over. Our time's now giving, you may can give in once or whatever, but it's time now that we have to bond. we got to get it right, and we got to stay right. That's, that's what's happening, I believe, in this day and time. Now, where am I at? Okay, so he turned around, and he says in verse 17, we'll go. 
It says, then they sent 50 men, and for three days, that's really amazing, for three days they sought him, but they did not find him. Three days pops up a lot in, in prophecy, does it? You know, we're talking about, where's Yeshua been for? Now we're in the third day. You know, and Hosea says two days, but in the third day he's going to return. The thing about it is, we don't need to be looking for Yeshua. He's looking for us. Amen. We know where he's at. He's at the right hand of the Father, and he's given us the powers and, and the mandate that was given him. He's given it now to us to go out and to make disciples. So we don't need to be running around looking. Verse 18, it says, And they came back to him while he was staying at Jericho, came back to Elisha now, and he said to them, he said, Did I not say, do not go? Because, see, they came back and said, We couldn't find him. I already told you that. And he said, I already told you not to go, but you know what? You didn't hold to it. And they went out and they came back and then he turned around. All right, now, from that, we, we kick into something, what I call a blessing and a curse. Verse 19, it says, Now the men of the city said to Elisha, Behold, the situation of this city is pleasant. In other words, we're spiritually doing good. We don't really have a big sin problem. We don't really have a bad situation to where you need to come in and, and nuke us. Okay? Everything seems to be pleasant, but we have a problem. But as our master sees, but the water is bad and the land is unfruitful. So there is a problem. The problem, he was saying, was not a spiritual one, I believe. That's my interpretation when he says it's not pleasant. I looked this up all over the place trying to figure out how can everything be pleasant but your water's bad and your land's not fruitful. That's sort of like an oxymoron to me. But I do know that what he was saying here is, is we're doing good here, but we have a problem here. Then he told them something. He said this, bring me a new bowl, not an old one, but a new bowl, and put salt in it. And they brought it to him. Then he went to the spring of water, and he threw the salt in it, and said, Thus says Yahweh, I have healed this water. From now on, neither death nor miscarriage shall come from it. Now, we know that in this healing of what he just did was, is he healed this water forever. Because he didn't go out there with a new bowl every morning and throw salt in it. And this big pot, of, I mean, this big stream of water, this was a big area that fed a city of people. This is not just 10 people. We're talking a city of people here. And so you can see the miracle of just what happened. They recognized, the men of the city recognized who Elisha was. And they came to him because they knew he was the man that the father had sent. He had the anointing that the father gave him. Okay, so they recognized that and they came to him and said, I believe spiritually we're doing good, but we have a problem with the water. And the land's unfruitful. So... Elijah goes, the father says, this is what you're to do, and so the water's healed. Okay, so now you have people that came to him. Now let's look and see what happens. But, well, verse 22, it says, so the water had been healed to this day according to the word of Elisha. Okay, verse 23. So now you're going to have a different group of people. It says, he went up from there to Bethel, and while he was going on his way, some small boys came out of the city and jeered at him. That means that they mocked him. Saying, go up, you bald head. 
why are y'all laughing? What are y'all trying to say? Watch it. I'll be sending some bears out on you people. <laughs> I said, go if you bald head and everybody falls out. Okay, so I got a reverse mullet. What's, what's happening? Okay, it says, go up you bald head. Go up you bald head. So they mocked him. He turned around and when he saw him, he cursed him. In the name of Yahweh. And two she-bears came out of the woods and tore 42 of the boys. Now, there is a scripture that says, vengeance is mine, says the Lord, right? Vengeance is mine. But, here's more to this story. We had some people to start with come out, number one, and recognize the anointing on Elisha and says, we have a problem. But now, we have 42 boys, youth. Where have we sort of like seen this youth problem before? Maybe with Solomon's son, whenever, whenever Rehoboam went and says to the older one, what shall we do? Well, you need to ease up on the taxation. If you want to rally Israel as a whole, you need to ease up what your father's done. Then Rehoboam went to who? The young friends. And the young friend says, you know what, you need to let them know there's more power in your little finger than in the hand of your father. How did that work? Divided the kingdom, and it's been divided until Yeshua is now bringing it back together. So you telling us that that counsel is not important, and hearing what the right right word is, not only a second word because that was the second word. First word came from the wise men, but then he goes to another group and he gets a second word, and it causes a division in a whole kingdom. This is how important these words are. So, but what this means here, it doesn't mean Elijah just wasn't saying, here's some young punks, you know, I'm going to curse you because you're picking at me because of the way I look. Because when it talked about back in that day when it says, you bald head, that was a derogatory remark from a Middle Eastern. He could have had a head full of hair. He could have had a head. didn't mean Elijah was a burly man and, Eli, and Elisha wasn't. What that was, that was, a, that was a mocking term to tell you that you do not have the anointing of Yahweh in your life. This is what they were saying when they used that. There's no mantle there. They were mocking him and saying, you don't have the mantle of Yahweh in your life. You don't have the mantle of, of Elijah. So the word bald head here didn't mean that he was slick-headed. It just meant that they mocked him. Because look, because you know as well as I do, you can't go, if somebody personally attacks you because of the way you look, and then you're just going to up and just start cursing them in Yahweh's name, it ain't going to happen. That ain't what this is about. But let me tell you this. Let me tell you this, sons of Elohim, sons of the prophet, children of Elohim, when you go out in the name of Yahweh and they mock, it's not mocking you, they're mocking him, then curses can come upon these people. Regardless of what it is, if it's two she-bears or two he-bears, it don't matter what the curse may be, it ain't good. So here's the thing too for us is we need to be able to discern what is thus saith Yahweh so that we don't mock the things of the Father. 
Because, see, think, this, that's happened here in the past. And, and people that's done that's not here anymore. And I'm not judging left or right, but guys, he judges. He judges. We have to be very careful what we say. We have to make sure that we're not giving a second word when Yahweh has given a word. Because we feel, because there was a reason why these kids, they came out of the city and they, and they mocked the things of Elohim. Now, it says that these, these, these bears tore them. Now, did they all die? I don't know. But I can tell you, if a bear, a bear is a pretty powerful animal. If he gives you high five, it ain't good. You know what I'm saying? Because a bear, it, with just the very power in his hands to hit, said he tore him up. So it can't be good. But I'm just saying, whatever their outcome was, it was not good. So the thing is, is here again, we need to be very careful. I say, pay a close attention to Yahweh's word. And do not mock the things of the Father. Because it's going to look different where we're heading in this new day, in this new hour. And he, but here's the thing. Solomon says there's nothing new under the sun. I believe that. And I believe that where we're headed, we can still say, where have we seen this before? Because this is our, this is our guidepost. But if we're coming upon something and we hadn't seen this before, we need to really watch what's up. There's going to be two witnesses of Revelation. To me, it's the law and the prophets. It could be Moses and Elijah. It could be the, the spirit. of It's definitely the spirit of Moses and Elijah. It's the law, because where have we seen this before? The Torah, the all the way through, you see this. It's not going to be, when these two witnesses show up, they're not going to give you some strange word. Because when you know the Torah like you know the Torah, when they speak, you're going to know them because you're going to know this word and it's going to resonate with you. But whenever Slewfoot, whenever the... Hasatan, the Antichrist, the Animasiah, whenever he's going to be sitting in the temple, which is the abomination of desolation, he's going to be saying great things. But he's not going to be saying Yahweh things. And that's the difference. Look what's happening today in just our government. Our government might be saying good things, but they're not saying Yahweh things. This is why they're not our salvation. So in these days to come... These are the things that we look at. Or where am I heading? That's right. 2 Kings chapter 4. You the man. See there? Discerning. Knows where that next foot's going. i tell you what I'm going to do. I want to cover. I got two stories I want to cover. I'm, I'm going to start in verse 1. I'm just going to probably maybe touch that one. I want to get to verse 14 in 2 Kings 13. Okay. So now what we have here, it says, now we have a wife of one of the sons of the prophets. This is why I picked this back up, sons of the prophets. So she's one of these people that was probably during Elijah's day or whatever. And she cried out to Elijah. She said, your servant, my husband is dead. And you know that your servant feared Yahweh. In other words, you knew that he was a righteous man. You know that. You, you, 
his reputation, you know who he is. But the creditors have come to take my two sons to be his slaves. Now, we already know the Torah tells you that if you owe somebody, you've got to pay a debt. And if not, they can take your children. And here, she's saying that she's a widow, and her two sons is her livelihood. If they take them because of debt, now she has nothing. Okay? So this is the story here. And so, Elisha is saying in the next verse, verse 2, what shall I do for you? He says, tell me, what do you have in the house? And this is so important. And she says to your servant, has nothing in the house except a jar of oil. Guys, it doesn't, what, what do you have? Whatever you have, that's all he needs. That's all he needs. If you have a little, and he gives every one of us a little something. A value. He gives every one of us talents. He's give every one of us something of value. And that's all he needs. That's all he needs to do the work that he needs to do in our life to sustain us. And not only that, to be able maybe even to pay off our debts. But then he said something. And here's the thing. He told her, he says, verse 3, go outside, borrow vessels from your neighbors, empty the vest, I mean, empty vessels, and not too few. So he's telling her something. Well, let me go back and just say this. What did Yeshua do? Where have we seen this story before? Maybe the two fish and the five loaves? A little something. Fed 5,000 in men, women, and children. So it just shows you if you had, because Yeshua didn't just pull it out of the air. He didn't pull the fish out of the tree or a cloud. He says, what do you have? He asked the disciples, what do you have? They said, well, there's a kid here that's got his picnic lunch. He got two fish and five loaves. He says, bring it to me. All the Father needs is a little something, and he can magnify it. This is faith that we need to have and assurance that he can do miraculous things in our life. Amen? Okay, now I'll go to the next one. So he told her, you go get vessels and not a few. That means you get everything you can. But guess what? It's on her and her sons to go get these vessels. It's on her how many she brings. He gave the He didn't tell her how many to go bring. He didn't say, go give me 32 or 132 or 1,032. He says, you go get all you can and not a few. Means you need to go get every vessel that you can find. Obedience is sort of important. By being obedient to what he says sort of helps us so what it said was, is he said, then go in and shut the door behind yourselves and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. In other words, shut the door. This is not a sideshow. The father is not sitting up here trying to, you go and you do what say, you're going to set it aside. You're not going to go build a ministry of oil off of this. You go do what I ask you to do, shut the door and let the father do his work. So she went in from him, and she shut the door behind herself and her sons, and she poured, and they brought the vessels to her. Verse 6, when the vessels were full, she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there's not another. Then what happened? The oil stopped flowing. Where have we seen this before? When they crossed over into Jericho, the manna stopped falling. We have to know that the Father tells us, do, now, this is why I'm, I'm tackling now these two stories because the Father is going to tell us don't stop short of what He has given us to do. 
if you stop short, then you, it's our own fault. And, and we're, well, he's going to use somebody else. But then we're only going to, we're going to only get blessed so far and it's going to stop. And guess what? It ain't going to start up again. Once he does these things in our life, once he gets this thing flowing, we need to know and keep it flowing. This is, this is, this is for end times here. When he tells us something, when he says go get every vessel you can get, guys, that's what he means. That's what he, when he tells us spiritually whatever we need to do, don't stop because I'm tired of toting vessels. You get every vessel until there's not another vessel in the town. Don't be foolish. Don't think. Don't. Because this is what we do. This, this is my problem. This is my problem. Because I don't want to inconvenience somebody. This is my problem. Well, that's enough. Well, who am I to say that's enough? See? So I'm learning. Not now. I'm telling you, making the declaration that I'm not saying that this is enough. It's not enough. Whenever Yahweh says it's enough, then it's enough. Not when Mark McClendon says it's enough. That's right. Don't settle. When he tells us, not a few guys we need to load up. If we got to take a wagon, a dump truck, go get Steve's 18-wheeler, whatever we got to do, load that dude up. until we can. They did that until they couldn't find any more vessels. Because once the vessels were full, the oil stopped. I'm just telling you. That's right. That is faith on steroids. But here's what we got to know that we're going to need faith on steroids in the days ahead. And we got to know and trust him because, guys, when you do and you feel like it's enough, if she would have went out and got ten vessels, that's all she would have got. If she would have went out and got two vessels, that's all she would have got. And you know that the man of Yahweh didn't tell her how many vessels to go get. He just said, go load up. When he says load up, that means load up. Because what's going to happen is, is eventually it's going to stop. Okay? Because this is the word. We've got we to hear his word. Verse 7, it says, She came and told the man of Elohim, and he says, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your son can live off the rest. So you see that you didn't, he didn't, do you notice that he didn't give her that instruction? This is what I want you to do. Go get all the vessels, and you're going to, and Yahweh's going to fill them up, and then Yahweh's going to, then you're going to go sell them, and then you're going to live off the rest. You didn't hear that, because that's not faith. Faith is, go fill them up. He didn't tell them what was going to happen, but now the fruit of obedience is now your creditors are off your back, your debts are paid, and now you and your sons have enough to live on through this famine. Guys, this is, this is, our, this is the way we got to start thinking, thinking, thinking in this. Okay, let's jump down. Second, where am I at? This one right here. Second Kings 13, and we'll finish up with this. Because this is at the end of Elisha's life. Okay, it says, Now when Elisha had fallen sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, went down to him and wept before him, crying, My father, my father, my Abba, my Abba, the chariots of Israel and its horsemen. 
when you're seeing chariots of Israel and its horsemen, that means people of war. That's men of war. This is, this is my war machine. Okay, this is my war machine. Elisha said to him, now, you're going to see Elisha say a lot of things here. And you're going to see him perform what Elisha is telling him to do. Which is a good thing. But listen to the story. Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. So he took a bow and arrows. Great. Then he said, verse 16, then he said to the king of Israel, draw the bow. And he drew it. And Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. And he said, open the window eastward. And he opened it. Then Elisha says, shoot. And he shot it. And he said, Yahweh's arrows of victory, the arrow of victory over Syria. Now, I'm wanting you to know something. Syria was their enemy. He's telling us that we have enemies in our life. Okay? There's there, there's people there, Hasatan, whatever, is there to stop us in our tracks. So he's saying here, but this is a battle. He says, you shall fight the Syrians in a how you say that? Al Alhat? Alpec? I'll take that one. Alpec until you have made an end to them. Verse 18. And he said, Take the arrows, and he took them. And then he said to the king of Israel, Strike the ground with them. And he struck the ground three times and what? Stopped. Have you ever noticed that in this story? Elisha is telling him something, but he's not telling him why he's doing it and what the result's going to be. I'm trying to get you to think this way. The Father is not going to tell us the result of what we're doing and where we're headed. But he's telling us and he's going to give us instruction and we're going to have to walk it out. And then when we walk it out, then when we walk it out, then the answer is going to come. It's always really been that way. But what happens to people of no faith, this is why Yeshua got on his own disciples. Oh, ye of little faith. Because if you ever notice, he never told them the outcome either. He just said, get in the boat and go to the other side. He didn't tell them what was happening. He didn't tell them about the ride in the rough ways during the journey. You see, this is what happens to us is he gives us commands where to do it. But when the seas get out of control then yes, we're to call out to him. Not in fear, but in faith and say, you put me here, what are you trying to show me? You put me here, what are you doing? And you know what? He may speak to you then and say, well, speak to the wind. Be still. And he wouldn't have had Yeshua wouldn't have had to speak to the wind and say, be still. Because he's given us the authority over everything that he has because now he's at the right hand of the Father. We have to trust that this is where he's taking us. But we can't, you can't just use this and say, well, he's give us power. We're going to mow everybody down. That's not what this is about. The only time that you're going to be able to speak a curse is when they come against Yahweh, not coming against you. Okay? That's not what this is about because you're going to get your feelings hurt. I'm just going to say that right now. I've had my feelings hurt a few times being a pastor. But guess what? When I was an electrician, I got them hurt. It's just the nature of man. Somebody's just not going to like you. And they're going to hurt your feelings over something. It's just the way it is. My football coach hurt my feelings. But you know what? He didn't care. 
you know, he said, you can either pack your gear and take it and go hang it up in the locker and go join the cheerleading squad. You can do what you're going to do, but I'm coach out here. And we're going to do the wave because I'm coaching a team. I ain't coaching just, yeah, he coaches individuals, but he coaches individuals to work together. Not to, and he just, and that's just the way it is. You learn things through life, amen, that we're having to work as a team. So what happened was, is he, he struck the ground three times and stopped. Then the man of Elohim was angry with him and said, you should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck down Syria until you have made an end of it. But you, but now you strike the ground Syria only three times. Here's the thing. The word of the Lord to us is, is if he says strike the ground, you beat that ground till your knuckles are bloody. Don't stop until you can't do because he didn't say, if the man of Elohim comes and says, strike the ground three times, how many do you strike it? Three times. He told Moses to speak to the rock. What does that mean? Speak to the rock. <laughs> it, means any, it just means speak. Striking it, doing a turkazia in front of it, don't matter. Speak to it. You do whatever he tells you to do. Strike it, don't do it. Uh, yeah, so how many times? That's right. March around. One time every day go, go back and eat manna. You know, whatever. Eat you some fruit. On the seventh day, you do seven times. You do what he says to do. The stories are here, and this is why I'm bringing this out. I'm bringing this out because we're talking about men of Elohim. We're talking about people that had way more faith than they had. They had more faith, you know, than, than I can imagine. I mean, to see the miracles... But yet, they still said when they, they were pounded by their own peers, their own other prophets, they were pounded. Ah, you got, I, think, I think Elijah's over here. I think, I think that tornado took him over here. Because you know Elijah, he ain't going to go over there in a puffy cloud. He's going to have to go over there in a storm. You know how he is. And what happens is, is they, this is what's happening. And if it happened to them, don't think it can't happen to us. It doesn't really take a lot to discourage people. It usually doesn't take a lot of negative words to discourage people. And guys, this is why we have to be careful to speak positive to one another. We're not in a business. It's, it's, the world's already discouraging enough. People sitting out here, we got all of these mandates. We got people all over the place that are concerned about jobs and concerned about whatever's going on. You got people up there that... I don't even know what planet they're on right now. And, and that's concerning. But that can discourage you. But the Father is telling me and you to look up. Because He is going to, and this is why I'm saying, whatever He tells us to do, if He tells us to strike it, three, do three. Four, do four. If He says strike it, I'm just saying, you just strike it till you wore out. And then if you didn't need the extra 20 strikes, that's just in your favor. Amen? But if we don't do enough, they did not get the victory in their life. Now, I'm going to finish up Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. I did do this one last. Where in the world am I at? Oh, here it is right here. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. 
Y'all close to being there? Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin that clings so closely. Let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Yeshua, the founder and perfecter of our faith, not looking anywhere else. Who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he's seated at the right hand of Elohim. What I wrote down in my notes is this. Strike the ground as many times as you need to strike it to be victorious. Wear yourself out. And if you got some extra strikes, just put them in your quiver is all I can tell you. But I'm going to tell you this. A lot of times, and this is what happened to King Joash, he was relying on his own understanding. He was given a word. He followed. I mean, man, he was doing good. He was taking a bow, took the arrows, opened the window, shot the arrow. Man, life, and these words, I mean, he, he was getting into a Holy Ghost meeting. But then when he was told to strike the ground, evidently, somehow or another, he just fell short. The word is in here is telling us, do what we need to do to get the victory. Be like Jacob. Don't let that angel go until you're blessed. Because I will promise you this, your walk will be different when you get through. And you get a blessing from the Father, your walk will be different and it will be noticeable. That's right. Wrestle till you can't wrestle no more. That's what we need to do. Be careful. Be careful of the second words. And take the words that we do get, take them to Scripture and the Ruach and make sure they're true words. Amen? Amen. Okay, let's close with prayer. Redeem.